I've told my wife on many occasions that where I sit underneath the speaker, I'm not able to hear sometimes as well as I would like. So I hope that you heard that, and I hope that it was a blessing and a challenge because we do need a godly home, do we not? That is what we are in desperate need of in America today. If God would get in the homes, God would be in the church, and God would be where he was needed. And uh, anyways, well, it's good to have each of you here tonight. And uh, shared with the church family this morning that tonight's service will be just a little bit different. As you can tell, we've cut out some of the singing because I want us to have ample amount of time for the fellowship so that we can... Uh, enjoy that and still get home at a reasonable hour and not have to have the kids out late on what would be a school night. So turn, if you would, this evening to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13. If you're not familiar with where that's at, it's toward the front. I would tell you the page number, but that wouldn't help you any unless you've got the same kind of Bible is mine, but uh, Deuteronomy chapter 13. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we will get started. Father, we are thankful for this day and Lord, we are thankful for this time to be back in your house tonight. God, it's good to have our church family here. It's good to have friends with us who are able to visit with us tonight. And God, I pray that you would bless the activity uh, that we are about to enjoy that Brother Frank just mentioned. I think that the scripture bears truth to this witness that uh, fellowship is good and fellowship is needed. And so, God, I believe that we're in line with what you would have us to do, to take some time tonight and just fellowship with one another and enjoy each other's company. But, Lord, you have also ordained the preaching of your word to be what changes lives and to be what ministers to us. And so I pray that you'd help me tonight to say something that would be a help uh, to each of us, Lord, by way of reminder. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Deuteronomy was probably not on your radar for where I would be preaching from tonight, and it's not a book that I preach from very often simply because it's not, for lack of better words, the most thrilling book in the Scripture. I know that it serves a purpose. I know that it serves a function for our knowledge and for our understanding. But again, it's not one that you normally go to when you're needing encouragement, when you're needing strengthening or things of that nature. But this week in doing my Bible reading, I came across Deuteronomy chapter 13 and some verses that I was familiar with, verses that I've read many times before, they jumped off the page, so to speak, got my attention, and I thought, if the Lord gives liberty, that's what I'm going to preach this Sunday night. And so I believe the Lord has given liberty, and that's why we're here. Tonight I want to begin by having us think about something that we know to be true, but it's not something that we would give attention to on a regular basis. The thought that I'd like for you to consider tonight is this, that over the course of our lives, here is what will be true of every one of us, that we will have relationships with hundreds, if not thousands of people over the course of our lives. You would agree with that, would you not? When you take into consideration all the people that you went to school with, when you take into consideration the people that you have worked with over the course of your life, when you take into consideration your family, your church family, your friends, your neighbors, whoever it may be, truly it is hundreds if not thousands of people that we will have relationships with to one extent or another. Now, that being the case, here's what we also know, we understand, and this does not bother us to admit this, 
But most of the relationships that we have, they are very casual relationships. We might say they are shallow relationships. And though it sounds somewhat harsh, most of our relationships are disposable. Meaning that once a person is gone out of our lives, they're gone. If you don't believe it, just think about the number of people from school that you stay in contact with. You're not mad that they're not a part of your life. They're not mad that you're not a part of their life. It was a relationship that served a purpose, that served a season in your life, but it was a disposable relationship, and you're okay with that. Many of you, over the course of your life, have worked with people, and people have come and gone, or you were the one who came and gone and came and went, however you should say that. And, and those people that you knew for a season, for a time, it's now that you're not there, they're out of your life, and you're out of their life, and again, you're okay with that. It was a disposable relationship. But over the course of our lives, we also know this to be true, that there are some relationships that have significance, that have meaning, and that are important to us. I would hope that everyone who is married would say that of their spouse, that that relationship is significant and important to us. If that's not how you feel about your spouse, you've got some problems that need to be addressed. I would hope that we would say of our spouse, this relationship means more to me than the person I work with or the one I went to school with 35 years ago. Now, I would think that for those of us who are parents, we would look at our children and we would say, this relationship means much to me. This is a very important relationship. This is something that I value to a great extent. Again, if you don't value your relationship with your kids, I would question where the priorities were, where the thinking was, things of that nature. It should be an important relationship. For those of us who our parents are still alive, that's an important relationship. Some, over the years, you have developed, fr developed friendships with people, and those friendships have become so valuable to you and important to you that you might even say that some of your friends now mean more to you than family means to you. Now, obviously, I could continue with the thoughts, the illustrations, but you get the idea. Some are very casual, distant, and even disposable relationships, while some are very significant, very important, and of great value to us. Now, that being said, think about this, and then we'll move on to the text. No matter how important or significant a relationship is to us, there will be days and there will be times and there will be occasions where that relationship will be tested. Amen. Would you agree with me on that? Listen, if you've been married longer than a week or two, you know that that relationship will be tested. Amen. It's just the way that it works. Oh, I love you, honey. Oh, I love you too. And then a week or two later, you're at each other's throats and you're at odds with one another. And, and that relationship is being tested. You don't have to look at Susie for confirmation of this. I'm telling you the truth. There are going to be times in your marriage where your relationship is tested, right? There are times and there are occasions with your children that that relationship is tested. Your kids are going to do stupid things just as you did when you were a child. And there are going to be times where you're saying to your husband or to your wife, Man, I don't know about that kid. 
I don't know what's in their head right now. I don't know what they're thinking. It, it, it's, it's pressuring me, though. It's straining things right now. It's going to be tested. I don't care how good of a friend you are with someone. At some point, that friend is going to do something to stress or to strain or to test the relationship, or it may be you who does that as well. So when a relationship is strained or when a relationship is tested, here is what you must determine. You must determine how important is this relationship. Am I going to let this moment, this occasion, this testing sever that relationship? Or am I going to do whatever it takes to make this relationship be what it's supposed to be. We have to determine that from time to time in the relationships that God has given us. Now that being said, in Deuteronomy, here's what many of us understand. We understand that this is written from God or given by God to Moses, and these are words that will be given to the children of Israel and here's what we understand is that the children of Israel enjoyed a unique relationship with God. You understand this? This was not a casual relationship. This was not an insignificant relationship. We could go so far as to say this, certainly, that it was not a disposable relationship. This was an important relationship, not only between Israel with God, but God with Israel. This was something that was to be taken serious on both sides with both parties this relationship between God and the Jews. So if you're in Deuteronomy 13, look toward the middle of verse number 13. Sorry, verse number 3. Chapter 13, toward the middle of verse number 3, here's what he said. He said, For the Lord your God proveth you. For the Lord your God proveth you. What does it mean whenever it says, The Lord God proveth you? It means this, to test you. To test you. And so here is what Moses conveys. Here is what Moses makes clear to the children of Israel. That there will be times that God is going to allow you to be tested. It's not that God was going to tempt them. It's not as though God was going to try to lead them into some kind of sin. But here is what God was going to do in this relationship with the children of Israel. He was going to allow them to be proven. He was going to allow them to be tested. So what was the purpose of the test? Well, the purpose of the test would be this to see how much the children of Israel valued that relationship with God. Well, how do we know? Because there in verse number 3 it says, For the Lord your God proveth you to know or to determine or to be able to recognize whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. See, here's something that, again, we know and we understand and, and we recognize that lip service is easy. It's easy to declare one's love for someone. Let's listen, please. It's easy for us to declare our love, but it is a totally different thing to prove our love. 
Okay, so here's what the Scripture says, that God was going to allow them to be proven, or God was going to allow them to be tested to know whether or not they loved the Lord God with all their heart and with all their soul. How much do you truly love me? So in the context of things, go back to verse number 1. In verse number 1, he said this, If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying... So stop right there, pause for just a moment. Moses says, If this prophet or a self-described prophet or dreamer of dreams comes to you and gives you a sign and gives you one of wonder, and it even were to come to pass. Notice what it goes on to say in verse number 2. If the prophet or the dreamer of dreams says, Let us go unto other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Notice he said in verse number 3, Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. So what is Moses saying? Well, Moses is saying this. Children of Israel, those of us who enjoy a special relationship with God, here's what is possible, and here is what is in the foreseeable future, that there could be a prophet rise up among us. There might be someone who is a dreamer of dreams, and they may give a wonderful word. They may give a a wonderful testimony of what's about to take place, what's about to transpire, and it may even come to pass which would seem to validate that person's message or that ministry. But he said, notice, if that prophet or that dreamer of dreams were to say to you, now let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, he said in verse number 3, thou shalt not hearken unto the words. So what does that mean? It means this, don't listen to them. Why would you not listen to the person? Because no matter how valid the prophecy or the dream may be, if they are trying to take you away from God, then they are trying to get in the way of our relationship with one another. So you don't listen to anyone who would try to take you away from me. You don't listen to anyone who would try to disturb our relationship. If anyone should come to you by way of prophecy or by way of dreams and says, Hey, listen, let's go serve another God. He said, Don't listen to them. That was nothing more than a test to see if you truly love me with all your heart and all your soul. What does God want? from Israel. He wanted their undivided loyalty and their undivided love. I want you to serve me completely and entirely. I want to be the only source of your affection, the only thing that you would give your heart to. I want you to serve me and to love me completely. Why would you say that, God? Because God would say of himself, I'm a jealous God. I'm the one who delivered you out of Israel. I'm the one who saved you. I'm the one who's given you the freedom from the bondage you were in. Listen, because of what I've done for you, I have the right to expect this undivided love on your part toward me, no matter how valid this person's ministry may be. So he said, do not hearken unto them. 
So he said in verse number 4, Ye shall walk after the Lord your God, and fear Him, and keep His commandments, and obey His voice, and ye shall serve Him, and cleave unto Him. And the prophet, in verse number 5, or that dreamer of dreams, notice what he said next, shall be put to death. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking immediately, it's kind of harsh. <laughs> shall be put to death? And you know what the Lord said? Yes. Put to death. Because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in, so shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. You understand, don't you, in verse number 5, God makes it clear, I'm not playing games. If this prophet rises up and says, let's go serve another God, not only do you not listen to the prophet, you eliminate the threat. You kill the prophet who tried to take you away from our relationship. You'll be tested, you'll be proven, you'll be tried, and I'm going to allow that to see if you love me with all your heart and all your soul. However, when it happens, here's what you do with the one who's tried to get between me and you. Now that's harsh, but it's somewhat palatable, or we can at least to an extent say, well, I guess it's reasonable. But notice in verse number 6, if thy brother, what do you mean by thy brother? Well, he goes on to say, you know, the son of thy mother, like your blood brother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers. Notice what it says in verse number 8. Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him. So if you've got a family member, you know, your brother, your son, your daughter, your wife, your friend, which is as thine own soul, which is like family, if they entice thee secretly saying, let us go and serve other gods, don't consent and don't hearken. Well, good, I'm, I'm glad he stopped there. Well, actually he didn't. Verse number 9. But thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. And thou shalt stone him with stones that he die, because he hath sought to thrust or to pull thee away from the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. How important is this relationship between God and His people, the nation of Israel? 
It's so important that if a false prophet rose up and said, hey, let's go serve other gods, God said, that's the one that you stone. You don't listen to them. You don't, you don't hearken unto them. You kill that one. Okay, now you've got a family member over here. You've got a friend who is like family. And secretly, they're trying to entice you to go serve other gods. They're trying to say to you, hey, listen, let's go serve another god that we've never served before. Here is what is said to them again. You don't consent unto them. You do not hearken unto them. And here is what you do. You kill them, the one who serves as a threat to our relationship. Now, again, I know that sounds harsh, but what was God signifying? He was signifying this relationship is more important than anything. Verse number 8, for all those who would struggle with this, he said, Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shall thine eye pity him, neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him. What does that mean? It means this. You don't have sympathy on the one who's tried to take you away from God. You don't try to, to conceal him or hide them and not let anybody know what they've done. No, when something tries to take you away from me, you let it be known, you expose it, and you eliminate the threat. Are you thinking like me? Like, that's, that's strong. It's strong, but that's what God said. For what reason? To protect the relationship with his people. Now this evening, thankfully, we're under grace, not law. I am thrilled to be under grace and not law. If you're not sure whether or not you're thrilled, let me just tell you, you need to be thrilled, okay, that we're under grace, not law. But that being said, some things are constant and some things remain the same. So one of the things that would be constant and one of the things that would remain the same is this, is that if you and I are Christians, we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So as a child of God, for myself, as a child of God, for yourself, if you are a believer, then here is what you have, is that you have a relationship with the Lord. So as that relationship is in place, as that relationship has been established, you and I need to understand something, and I trust that we do, but we need to understand that that relationship, listen now, that we have with God it is not only important to him, it needs to be something that is important to us. This relationship with God should have priority with us. But here is what we know if we've been a Christian very long at all, taking the Christian life serious at all, and that would be this, is that in this relationship with God, many things are going to come into our lives that test us, that prove us to see whether or not we truly love God with all of our heart and all of our soul, which is the greatest commandment that man has been given. Amen. New Testament under grace. That thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. So we've got this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's an important relationship. 
but it's going to be tested and there are going to be things that try to take us away from our relationship with God. Well, what would test us and what would strive to take us away from our relationship with God? Quite thankful you asked. Don't worry about the fish. It'll be there in a few moments, all right? What might try to take us away from our walk with God? Is family a legitimate concern sometimes? Of course. If it was a legitimate concern back in Deuteronomy 13, we ought to accept that that family can still serve as an obstacle in our relationship with the Lord because not every family member of ours is thrilled that we're trying to serve the Lord. There are family members who think you're crazy. There are family members who think you've gone off the deep end. There are family members who think you're radical. There are family members who think you're nuts. And that may be their position, but here's the thing. God might allow them to test you to see, do you love me more than you love family, or do you love family more than you love me? Someone says, well, can't I love both? Well, of course you can, unless family's trying to get in the middle of you and your relationship with God, then something has to happen in the relationship with the family. We'll deal with that in just a moment, but it could be family. It could be someone who you've called a friend for many years that tries to take you away in your relationship with the Lord. I know they may be a good friend. I know they may be a good buddy. I know they may be someone that you've spent a lot of time with. But it may be that person that God is allowing to be used to test you. Do you love me or your friend more? It may not be a friend. It may be something like this. The employer that you have. I'm not against jobs. I'm not against working. In fact, I'm for jobs. I'm for working. But let's just deal with reality. Sometimes employers don't really care about the things of God. That's not what's on their priority list. That's not what's their concern. They're not worried about whether or not you're developing your relationship with the Lord, that you're developing your relationship with Him so that you might have a godly home. There are times that the employer simply doesn't care, and that employer can be used as a source of testing. Do you love me more as your Savior, or do you love your employer more who provides for you financially but is trying to take away from our relationship that we've established. Jobs can do that, can they not? Just got a couple more and we can endure this, I think, but sometimes I think the Lord allows bills to come into our life. And I don't mean people by the name of Bill. I mean, you know, bills and and things stacking up and piling up. And and you start looking at, okay, well, I've got all these obligations, so I'm going to have to start doing this so that I can meet all my obligations. But hold on, what about my relationship with you? This is a test. This is something that I've allowed to come into your life. Are you going to keep the priorities straight? Are you going to keep me number one? Or are you going to let the bills consume you? It's something that happens on a regular basis. And, and we could talk about this just real quickly and throw it in. What about pleasure? 
Nothing wrong with having fun, nothing wrong with having a good time, nothing wrong with doing things that are enjoyable, but it is true that in the culture we live in, so many times pleasure gets in the way of our relationship with God. And though we may have the resources and the time to enjoy certain pleasures, that may be what God is allowing to test us as to what is most important in our lives. Is it our relationship with God or is it pleasure? Now, as you think about all this, family, friends, jobs, bills, pleasure, and anything else that may stand in our way, here's what we've got to ask ourselves. Is there anything pulling me away from my relationship with God? No matter how valid it may appear to be, no matter how legitimate it may appear to be, is there anything pulling me away in my relationship or from my relationship with God? Well, if so... What needs to happen? Well, we need to kind of work with it a little bit and see if we can get everybody on the same page. Is that what the scriptures suggest? No. Well, you know, I just need to kind of stay here in the middle and try to love Jesus over here and love this over here, even though they're trying to take me away. Is that what the scripture suggests? No, it's not what the scripture suggests. The scripture says, suggests this that whatever would be trying to take us away from our relationship with the Lord, we need to eliminate the threat. Amen. Now, obviously, I'm not advocating killing someone. I trust that you know that, okay? I just want to make this very clear. I'm not saying, well, Mom, Dad, I love you, however. That's no, not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this is if there is something standing between us and our relationship with the Lord, we've got to understand that there is nothing more important in this life than our relationship with God. Amen. In the New Testament, the teachings of Scripture, the Lord says, if you're not willing to forsake family, if you're not willing to forsake father and mother and follow me, you're not worthy of me. Well, that seems so harsh, that seems so drastic, that seems so difficult. Listen, it is harsh, and it is drastic, and it is difficult. But there, that, listen, that, that's where we have to say, listen, we cannot show them any pity, and I cannot try to conceal this, and I cannot try to hide this. You're not helping me in my walk with God, and I've got to remove you by way of an influence in my life because my relationship with God is what matters most. I'm not saying you go in and you eliminate your employer. But what I'm saying is this, is that if the employer, the job, is standing in the way of your relationship with the Lord, you have to trust the Lord to take care of you in some other way, in some other fashion. You've got to trust God more than you trust the employer, which would indicate you love God more than what you love by way of the things of this world. It's easy for you to say, preacher, you're paid to do the things of God. I've not always been in this position. We can make tough choices sometimes to prove we're going to do right rather than do what's convenient. 
I know this may not be the most thrilling sermon. I understand. I, I get that. But we need to be reminded that there is nothing more important in this life than my relationship with God. Because one day I'll stand before God. I will not stand before my father or my mother or my brother or my aunts or my uncles or an employer I used to have. I'll not stand and give an account to, to the persons who tried to steer me away by way of friends. No, I'll stand before God and the only thing that will matter is what was my relationship like with God? Not everything else in this world. And I would just encourage each of us. I know the nature of the night. I know the spirit of the night. I want us to have a wonderful, wonderful time together. But how dare us come to church and at least, and not at least be challenged in, in some way in our spiritual lives? What is my relationship like with the Lord? Have I, have I cut out everything that is standing between me and the Lord? Or am I still trying to hold hands with some of these things? Am I still trying to, to play nice with both parties? We can't afford to do that. We need to love the Lord with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with anything or to who would stand between us and the Lord. That needs to be removed, as drastic and as hard as it may be. Because I'll say it one more time, nothing matters more than our walk with God. Is there anything that if you'd be honest tonight, you'd have to say, that needs to go. That needs to be cut out. We need to make some serious changes here. Starting now, God has my undivided loyalty, my undivided love, and I'm not playing games with this any longer. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Father, as we come to you this evening, I pray that you'd help us to just take some time and consider if there might be anything that's standing between us and you, God, whatever it may be, I pray that you'd be, you would help us to be willing to eliminate that, that test, that interruption in our walk with you, and Lord, that we would serve you in the way that we ought and in a way that would please you. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.